Hello and welcome to the Learning Mate podcast, where we speak to subject matter experts in the fields of education, education technology, and workforce development to learn more about advances and issues in the industry from cradle to career. I am your host, Keith Chandler. And in this episode, we are discussing the evolution of academic publishing. And here to talk about what goes into that work and the evolution of publishing is our subject matter expert, Shannon Gattens. Shannon is a native of the United States East Coast and has a BA in English from Temple University and studied instructional technology at Philadelphia University and New York University. Wearing so many hats has given Shannon a unique perspective on a variety of disciplines. And at Learning Mate, she leads a team of content development managers helping to create online course materials, supplements, and media for our publishing clients. Shannon, thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, Keith. That was quite the introduction, I have to say. Um, I sound more impressive than I am, I am sure, but it's nice to be here with you and to talk about publishing. It's near and dear to my heart. As as you mentioned, I've been in the industry for 25 years. Um, Some of my closest friends and work family are in the industry, so I'm looking forward to talking to you. Awesome. I'm excited to have you here. So I've, I've got a couple of questions for you. What is the role publishers and other learning providers have in shaping the future of education as a whole? That starts off as a really broad question, but yeah, interested in your insights on that. Yeah. I mean, I, I have to say that traditionally publishers have been the, really the source of truth for, for all of our students. Um, they're, they're trusted partners, across institutions, across schools, um, throughout the United States, whereby they have top authors, top subject matter experts in the areas of expertise that provide core content. Um, So they have been a benchmark um, across the board in which lots of online institutions or institutional partners utilize the content from publishers for their online courses and their student learning. Um, So that's where we are today, even though there is such a digital evolution, I believe that the publishers are playing the role of trusted content provider. Nice. And I, you, you mentioned present day. I'm actually going to go back in time about 20 years or so. Uh, that's when I graduated college. And so I uh, graduated in 2007 at a time when textbooks were still the norm. I mean, virtual online colleges were, were popping up. It's where University of Phoenix started really growing and expanding. Um, and so my experience with with textbooks and publishing was physical textbooks, having to go to a bookstore, go to Amazon, buy the textbook, um, and then, you know, working from that and having to do that year after year during my my education. So, I mean, that was back in 2007. So let's let's step back a little bit and talk about just the evolution of publishing since, you know, the, the early 2000s, late 90s into today. Yeah, sure. Of course. Well, first of all, your experience brings back some nostalgia, I think, for a lot of us, um, who have had that experience. And I will say that there is still a place for printed textbooks, uh, right? There are still people who like to have a physical textbook. Um, They're still printing textbooks. It's not completely gone. Um, Whereby the ISBN that was associated with the product was originally the printed textbook. Now the ISBN that's associated with the product is the ebook. So that has changed. Um, The way that we used to have a bookstore, we used to have used books, we used to have new books. um, There are also existing models like that online. You can still rent eBooks online. 
Um, you can also purchase eBooks online. There are subscription models. You know, gone are the days where you get a used book with all the highlighting, right? We all liked when we got the book and somebody had already read the book and done all the highlighting and had all the notes. But I, I think that the way that it's evolved has been organic um, and led mostly by the student population and the instructors. So uh, when students and instructors ask for things to the publishers, the publishers try to accommodate. And obviously they don't want to be stuck you know, in a period that does not leave them with the ability to create new business and generate new business. So they've evolved by providing first simple PDFs, as we had talked about before. And sometimes those were just provided by the instructor or to the instructor rather. Um, and then they were starting to provide those things to the student. And then they wanted features, right? Students wanted to be able to highlight and take notes um, so that they could keep track just like they would in a traditional textbook. And then we started to pay attention to the student's behavior. They liked to play video games. They liked to watch videos and they enhanced the eBooks, right? So eBooks now had links to websites or videos. Um, interactive exercises were more readily available. I do want to note that the STEM disciplines were much more into technology and online learning than the humanities and social sciences. Um, they have regularly led the way in technology, um, whether that's from a corporation level, a government level, or an education level, um, because they are the ones that are generating this content and also producing employees into the field of those things, right? So after the eBooks, I think instructors were interested in not just having these as supplemental materials for their students, but how can I track what they did? If this is how they're learning, how do I know that they've done it? And so creating grade books um, and testing online where they could really closely monitor the students' learning. And then that led to asynchronous classes and more online discussion boards um, and, and, and it really brought us to where we are today. Uh, I think COVID really propelled us into a fully online learning model in more traditional markets um, than, than maybe we were even all comfortable with. Um, I do believe it was necessary to make such a transition. So thinking about the transition and the evolution, like what is all of the work that has to go into creating a, a, a virtual publication? You mentioned the additional media that's involved, whether it be videos or uh, interactive quizzes. So what are uh, in the in the past, it was it seems like it was more along the lines of, OK, you have the subject matter experts contributing to a text. You have copy editors reviewing it. But now you have other multimedia aspects that are going into publishing. So how does that change how publishers need to approach creating digital content? Well, you're right. Certainly there was a transition for authors um, and editors to think about the content in a different way. Um, I, I remember when I was working at Pearson and McGraw-Hill, positions that I actually held was called media editor or digital manager. And that, that fully uh, encompassed uh, in, envisioning and working with either the you know, editor on staff or the author to determine where is media appropriate. And um, I feel like that we have gotten to a place where now the expectations of what that media is, is actually quite different. So if it's supplemental, they aren't maybe as interested in it. Um, and it really needs to be integral into the learning. It needs to be almost essential for the learning. And it, and it is taking that shape. 
And where there used to be a media editor, you know, working with an, ed an editor, um, there are now instructional designers looking at the core content and determining how to transform the content rather than supplement it. Um, so the learning has gotten much more pedagogically sound than it, it was in the past where we were just sort of throwing up extras to ensure we had engagement by the students and assignment by the instructors. How do you envision collaboration between different sectors of learning, such as, you know, academia, higher education institutions, uh, could be K-12 institutions for that matter. Um, how, how are they all working together now to kind of achieve this, this final goal of uh, this digital evolution? Well, I think there's a couple of layers there. I believe that we are all trying to figure that out ourselves. There are institutions, traditional institutions, that are working with individual instructors on creating course experiences for their courses. There are institutions where, uh, and that could include publisher material. So I wanna say a lot of these courses that are created include um, content from McGraw-Hill, Pearson, Cengage, Macmillan, Wiley. So the content is still there. And then there's institutions who make organization level decisions. We are now going to go online, this percentage, asynchronous, we're going to work with these publishers and these vendor partners like LearningMate, for example, to create more engaging online learning experiences. And then we have, and again, using publisher content, also using um, OER content, using content from online that's available supplementing content, creating new content um, in collaboration with subject matter experts. And then we have the all online university where their business model is strictly online. They have subject matter experts that are working for those organizations like 2U, like WGU, UAGC. Um, we have the, and these are clients of, of LearningMate. And I've been lucky enough to see the collaboration between the institutions. And I will say what's tying all this together is instructional design. Um, so instructional designers are the ones who are constructing the courses with the author feedback, with the institution feedback, with prescribed models, using learning objectives, um, creating learning models that pull from a variety of sources that give a student an opportunity to have a fully online immersive experience. There's also this whole element of ed tech companies, um, and they fall into a different category, maybe like a Coursera or um, edX, where they create their own course content. Um, maybe it, it's not going towards college credit, but it might be micro-credentialing or some kind of certification. And I don't mean to go off track, but there's also workforce skills. So I think what's happening is that we're looking at learning from the beginning um to the end you said from cradle to cradle to career yeah or career and beyond career and beyond um looking at things at from a high level how can we support a learner throughout their their journey create consistent experiences um pedagogical value and also something that's going to keep the learners engaged and inspired 
thinking back to uh you know i i graduated college at a, a, a kind of a pivotal time in the the u.s economy um right before the the 2008 housing crash and so during that time there was a great resurgence in people going back to school getting getting traditional degrees um or going to an online school and doing their their virtual learning um and now i've seen this this evolution where you you mentioned micro credentials so you know, adult learners in a situation where, okay, we don't even necessarily have time to commit to the level of registering for a virtual school, but we can do, say, you know, a few hours of a course to get a certificate on the weekend. So it's it's becoming much more of this lifelong learning convenience situation. And what I'm hearing is that publishers are kind of adjusting to that need based on the consumer, right? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I have a son who's going to college. Um, I've been talking a lot about the college experience over the last several years as, as both of my teenage sons decide college, no college, gap year, trade school, um, you know, going into something different, online degree versus in-person degree. These are the conversations that people are having now where they weren't necessarily, they're really, and when I went to college, certainly you went to college. It, there yeah. was four-year degree, then you could go on and get a master's. I think the landscape of higher education has changed quite a bit. Um, there's 40 million Americans with some credit, but no degree. So these are these are students who either started school and didn't finish it um, or never wanted to get a degree. They were really just going for like a non-credentialed courses. 30% of all of students in higher ed take fully online courses. I mean, can you imagine this is not what was happening back back then? Yeah. Um, the, the traditional learning experience is being question. But I, I believe that there are opportunities for institutions and uh, publishers um, to provide those kinds of learning experiences as well. Now, how fast they are willing and ready to support those pieces of the market, um, I think that's yet to be seen. Everyone's thinking about how do we fill the learning needs of the market? I believe that we will continue to go through a digital evolution with regard to publishing. I think monetizing the content and the learning experience is going to be the biggest challenge for the publishing companies as we continue to move forward in this model. As a person who works around content and publishing content, um, what is a piece of content that you would recommend to our listeners that something that they should either read, uh, watch, consume. As a lifelong learner, I'm always looking to expand my my base of education. So what's something that you have consumed in, in your life that you would recommend to me? So I, I'm, I'm gonna kind of go a little bit in a different direction. Uh, I believe that being in this industry for so long, um, you really have to have flexibility. You have to be able to pivot. Um, and for me, what gives me the ability to do that is spiritual grounding. Um, so if I was going to recommend a book, for example, off the top of my head that could apply both to the way that we see life and the way that we see business, it's a book called The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. Uh, it really talks about focusing on what's in front of us. Now, that might seem like counterintuitive because we're talking about the future or the evolution of something, but the evolution comes from the moment. And every moment is an evolution. And if we can identify it as such, we can be prepared for anything that comes at us. That is a beautiful insight. Thank you so much, Shannon, for that. I appreciate it. Of course. 
Shannon Gattens is a skilled veteran of the publishing industry. Her latest blog post entitled Higher Ed Publishing, Where Are We Headed? can be found on LinkedIn. And once again, that book recommendation, The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. If you are interested in contributing to our podcast, visit learningmate.com slash podcast. There you can submit an idea for a topic you'd like to explore as well as find our library of episodes. The Learning Mate podcast is a production of Learning Mate Solutions Incorporated. Thank you once again to our guest, Shannon Gattens. I'm your host, Keith Chandler. Until next time, thank you for listening.